0: Episode
1: thank you. No Cowboy shit, Ted and Wacy. Yeah, it is, hundred percent. Well now that we have that out of the way, <laughs> that it's actually episode one hundred and fifteen of Cowboy Show with Ted and Wacy. Here, live from the Horse Expo, Red Deer, Alberta. Although, when I say live, I mean, like, pre-recorded We're live. here, but you're not going to hear it live. Yeah. You'll hear it in a couple of days, but we're here yeah. at the Horse Expo, Red Deer, Alberta. It's here. The first time. The first one. Yeah. It's been first quite the day so far. We've had a lot of fun. It's been actually, considering how tired I am, it's been really fun get to see some people, meet, have some conversations. Why are you so tired? I stayed up pretty late playing some games with the boys uh, last night, so... Yeah doing some extracurriculars maybe indulge with some extracurriculars (laughs) you know end of the work end of the work week so you got to take advantage of that kind of stuff that's true it's holidays this week too. holidays days off baby so yeah happy uh easter to everyone happy easter out there hope you have a safe and fun holiday spent with family and friends it's good stuff yeah so uh what's been going on the last little while waste i feel like Uh, it's been a bit of a blur the last while a blur is the best way to put it i uh yeah hockey's done for the year so that's fun. I haven't even thought about hockey the last little while. I know, I was so sick of it. I, by <laughs> the end of the year, I was like, I could not wait for it to be over. I, th- I played my last two games before I left for Kelowna. And I was and so And your last sick. two games were the same day. Same night. And it was the last two games for both teams. And I got knee I got <laughs> in the head in the first game, and I got shot off the knee in the second game. So I was, I'm ready for that. I'm so happy it's over. What was the. Um, how many goals did you get scored on you that day? That day? 18. 18? 12 and 6? 12 and 6. Yeah, it was a tough one. The first one we lost in a shootout. And then the second one, we got routed by that team we played against. But, hey, that's the way she goes. And we could have probably lost not as badly, but we could have probably almost won, too. But it just... It just did... The stars did not align for the Pipe Hawks. It's a tough look for us. But other than that, man, not much. How about you, man? What have you been doing? I don't really remember, actually. I got a couple golf lessons lately before we go to the (laughs) wedding. For Cade. Cade and Kelsey getting married. Nice. That'll be America. So I got another trip to America. Yeah. We haven't talked about... uh, We probably talked about the fishing trip, so that was fun. And we did talk about the fishing trip. We did, right? Um, no, we already did, didn't I we? I guess, well, cool. We talked about well, something cool we chatted about last night. I'm going to be doing spend, I'll be able to spend some more time on the cowboy shit side of things. I'm, yeah. I'm moving f- right. to a part-time from my day job. Yeah. Doing some more cowboy shit stuff and working on a few other things. So, I'm going to be, be able to spend some more time doing this kind of thing. So, you be seeing a lot more of me and it's we'll be doing be some fun. more event stuff. Like, it's it's going to be a busy summer, man. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I think we're, uh, you know, right now, May looks a little bit less busy, but... That could all change pretty soon, too. So. It's, and it's one of those things, too. It's probably nice to ease back into it. As, as rather true. than just going full out in the first start of the true. year. So be good. we got North Battleford coming up. Yeah. Uh, we, might, we, we might be in Fort Worth for the yeah, finals. we got Grand sure. Prairie, PA, yep. Rocky Mountain House, all these big events coming up. And our PBR Canadian Cup Series is back, yeah. in Ro- right back here in Red Deer. Yeah. June 11th, that kicks off. We're and going right we got like it. Three or four in a row, and then I'm really looking forward to one that I haven't worked yet before, really, is Pinocca. Pinocca Stampede, Stampede, really excited about being there. I don't know if I really shared that with anybody yet much, but uh, yeah, Pinocca's going to be fun yeah, stuff. Yeah, and we're working but on some cool stuff, you know? Four days at Bull Bustin. Four days of Bull Bustin. Uh, Stampede. Uh, We've got some, yeah, stuff in the works, some cool content stuff coming up. Yeah. Our, our thing with Wrangler's going to be out soon. Yeah. Like, there's yeah, middle of May, Clay said. Yeah, it's looking good, man. Stay there's some really cool it. stuff about to come ha- about happening, and yeah. We're here. We're doing it. It's happening. Um, For those who can't see us right now, we're sitting in two saddles on top of a barrel in the middle of a trade show. So There's a lot of like stimulants and distractions here as well. I saw Wacy. There was a couple uh, ladies that walked by that were in Wacy's age range, and he, uh, I, I think he's already ready to be done the show already. For those for those who don't know me, I'm a trade show guy. I thrive in a trade show environment. I love messing with people. I love talking to people. Whatever it may be. I can make a trade show a good time, so it's been fun to spend the day here. What was your best uh, joke so far? I think it's one. I got this one gal like with the, the counterfeit tickets. I got yeah, it like really I, yeah. So, but I got another gal after it was me and Storm over there, and she was like, she was like, she was like, didn't really think that I was being serious or didn't. like She kind of was calling my bullshit, but then when I asked her for a ticket, she's like, "Oh, you're being serious." Like, I pulled it out and like held it up in the light and all that kind of stuff, and and then. I was like, "No, you're just kidding." I like, I obviously admitted I was just messing around, <laughs> but it, it's so e- it's so easy, and it's like, especially because people don't expect that stuff to happen, so it's, it's so easy to mess. With. It's something I I think I've inherited from my dad because no matter anywhere we go, if we go to the mall, go to a trade show, whatever, like he's pestering people constantly, and even to like a further degree than I do, but it's it's fun, man. It's good to kind of see people laugh, make them smile. It's good stuff. Love it. I like the uh, the one where there was this lady like carrying a couple like heavy bags, and she looked like she had like a. <laughs> Her arms were completely full. They were completely full. And he's like, oh, uh, you dropped something. And she looked back, and, and he's like, gotcha. <laughs> that was pretty That's good. That's a classic. You could just see that she was already like flustered. So was, yeah. I, I saw my opportunity, yeah. and I pounced on it. Okay, so. so with your dad doing stuff like this, I've heard stories about, about Papa a few times and how uh, he, I don't know if he would mess with people, but he's been in some uh, brawls and some hockey rinks. Yeah. So is that from messing with people or is that from... No, just uh, because, honestly, man, my parents, when you think of crazy hockey parents, they were that. They like, are them. So okay. the year that I, my first year playing double-A midget in Watson, before I actually made the team, the, the coaches sat down with my parents and they were like, hey, like, we've heard some stuff about you guys. You're a little bit wild. Started a few fights here and there. Like, are we going to have any of that happen when, if we take Wacy on the team? And they're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> of course not. So I made the team. First game. So halfway through that season, we're playing... Oh, road. halfway is <laughs> better than first game. Well, so the, one, the nice thing for me is, like, being a goalie, my dad really couldn't relate to it. So, like, he was a lot more intense with my brother when he was playing out. But we were playing Rosetown-Kindersley were combined that year. So we were playing them in a game, and we were routing them, like, 6-0, like, just kicking their asses. And uh, we start this big line brawl starts. Oh. And I'm right in the middle of it. So I punched one couple guys, whatever. With what was your blocker? With my, no, it didn't block anybody because I, oh. I had a shutout going, so I didn't want to kick, get kicked out of the game. Oh. So obviously so your glove glove? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. I closed my fist And just throttled this guy And uh, so my, my dad's obviously Like fired up Freaking cage out on or no? Oh, K John, Yeah, I was midget hockey yeah, so, yeah. yeah, yeah So then we we uh, pounded his cage Which was like I, Cage rage I knocked him on his, his ass like, he, he, he like yeah. he went, His feet came around And I had on his ass So anyways My dad's fired up He's freaking out We uh, Game's over We end up winning be, You kick, got to extend the game Yeah, because I didn't blocker the guy I blocker the guy And I got kicked out I yeah. got suspended for like five games Yeah, you don't do that That's so why you don't do that I didn't uh, know. I, got, I was fired up. So, yeah, anyways, my dad, we're fired up. We go to the room. We're getting undressed. All of a sudden, we hear, like, someone comes busting and you're like, Wait, see Braden, like, your dad just got jumped in the lobby by some dads from the other team. So, we fucking, we bail out there with our, like, Under Armour shit on. Like, I have my goalie stick in my hand. My brother has the other stick. We chase this group of dads onto the bus. So, my dad had just come from work, so he's wearing, like, a Wilder rag, like, uh, his winter clothes on. So, these four dads... Jumped my dad in the Watson Rink lobby. They one guy grabbed him from the hind by the wild drag, choked him out, and then a couple guys like punched him a few times. So like knocked my dad out. So we we're like we literally like chased these guys onto their bus, and it was like one of the craziest like hockey experiences of my Did life. Did you get him at least or no? No, like we obviously got stopped and pushed off the bus. would you get like like you can get charged for like assault with a weapon with a hockey stick? if You're gonna. No, that was my dad, up. man. Well, but like. That's my dad. I'm a I, I get it. Four but dudes like, jump my dad, who's one guy. But if you would have hit him with your hockey stick, like you scared him. So off. So what would good. you have done? I probably would have. Probably if I was a kid, I probably would have swung at him with a hockey stick too. There you go. So I'm just saying, like, or I took a skate out. Like Doug Glatt, like take a skate out. Like guy. Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. <laughs> <laughs> I stab you with his skate. <laughs> so yeah. Anyways, that's that's like one story of my dad being a crazy hockey parent. But they they have that rep- they have one. they have that reputation. Yeah. There's some. Asked my dad about some stories from some of my brothers' games back in the day, and it's uh, it's pretty rowdy. The funny thing is that like it still happens. Like, like wasn't there one that just happened pretty recently? No. Oh, that's just the Twitter account that I saw. That's another uh, like senior hockey team in Saskatchewan. Man, the senior hockey. Your dad was was at one of the Braden's game, and some shit went down like this winter. No, it wasn't your dad, but some shit went down, right, at my brother's game. Yeah, wasn't it? Some well, some guy was yelling at my brother, but it was nothing crazy. Okay, so it wasn't your dad. Yeah, okay. no, no, no. My dad didn't get out of ten games this year. I thought year, some but shit went down this year. Man, there was some crazy shit that did happen in senior hockey, all the brawls and stuff. Yeah, that's what I'm. Th- was not my I'm dad or my brother? And that's what's going on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. Okay. Quick little hockey dad Damn. story for you. Damn. I'm sure others can relate, but my, my, da- my dad, he like cares so much and like was so passionate about it that yeah. he, and like for him too, it sucks. He has no control over like what my brother and I do. Even like when I was riding bulls, the year I won the CCA finals on Saturday night, I had to stay on. Like if, if I wanted to win, I had to stay on. So I was getting ready to get on my bull and my dad had to leave the building. Like he didn't, he couldn't even stay in. He was so nervous, more nervous than I was that he left the building when I, before I nodded my head. It was crazy. Did your mom yell at you? Oh yeah, they're freaking. they They're more wrapped up hear, than I was. Did you ever hear your mom yelling at you while you were riding? No, my dad though. My dad's you, the only person I could ever hear. You could actually hear him while. Well, you my were dad riding. had the patented two-handed megaphone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have a few pictures of it where you can see my dad on the back of the shoes with his two hand just yelling. And, and you could hear him. Yeah, the only person I could ever hear is my dad. Really? Was, get a hold! Get a hold! That's all he ever knew. You're not too. Even trying to get a hold with your feet in a bull riding. That's what he do that's what he would say. That's, that's all he, he, that's all all he need work? to say. Did man. Ever work? He's not a he's a bareback rider. Did you ever man. hear hear him say that and then fall directly off? Uh no. No? Usually usually by the end I but by, by the time I could hear somebody in a ride, it'd be at, like near the end. Pretty far at the yeah. end. So. so it wouldn't mess you up. Yeah. But yeah. I remember I only remember like one time I was in Alder Flats at like a Kara rodeo. Yeah. And I was riding and it was really muddy. And it was like far enough in that I could tell what was going on. And I like tried to get off the steer not in a bud puddle like i rode the steer around until it was like you had an intention to spot, it and then i was like yeah there you go that's funny but yeah and i think i still goofed it up because it was running so fast that is that's because like when you're thinking about that yes. stuff is when, is when you in usually like face still. plant right in the mud so it's true that's classic it's very true ah okay cool so we have uh, a friend of ours on the show this week kobe a moore. yeah kobe moore uh helps us with this interview with uh our guest this week Jeff Hammond, we get to talk about some uh, NASCAR, NASCAR stuff, some, some bull riding, shit. some bull riding. It was a, uh, it's a really fun show. hope everybody awesome enjoys it. it. Yeah. Once again, thanks to the Horse Expo for having us this last week, uh, this weekend here checking out. You know, the Cowboy Shit Arena has been a highlight. Hey, um, thanks for, uh, thanks for listening, folks. Thanks for listening. If you're new to the show, check us out, CowboyShit.ca. Vanessa Salisbury walking right by. Friend of the show. Her booth is next, door. The show. right so, next door. Yeah. And uh, appreciate it, everybody. So, once again, this is Cowboy Show. Ted and Wasey. I'm Ted. He's Wasey. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with this week's interview after this. Welcome to episode 115 of cowboy show with ted and Wacy. my name is ted co-host is Wacy anderson we brought another guy in today though you uh you all he's probably been one of the most uh he's probably a racing the most, expert yeah the ra- resident racing expert and uh photographer extraordinaire he's our friend Covey moore you've been a co-host here a couple times now but we uh brought you in for this one we thought it was an important one to have you in for
2: probably the most excited for this one for sure no question. <laughs> well let's get right to it uh Kobe, why don't you introduce our guest? Well, our guest on this episode is a NASCAR legend born in Charlotte, North Carolina. This man guided multiple championship race teams through three decades of racing advancement, working alongside such names as Cale Yarborough, Darrell Waltrip, and Inside Hendrick Motorsports, claiming a Daytona 500 win in multiple championships, followed by a 20-plus year career in broadcasting the sport. This man has seen everything the stock car racing world has achieved in the past 50 years, all while cultivating his enjoyment and passion for the sport of professional rodeo. We'd like to introduce the 1989 Daytona 500 winning crew chief, two-time NASCAR Cup Series champion, crew chief, and Fox Sports analyst, Jeff Hammond. Thank you, guys. Uh, You make me sound like I'm somebody. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realize that was that important. (laughs) (laughs) Got to be somebody to somebody, right? Oh, yeah. Well, and
1: and last night on the way home, uh, we tuned in. You mentioned you had a show on Tuesday night, so I fired up the satellite radio in the truck on the way home and listened to uh, the late shift with yourself and uh I forget your co-host's name now but but uh listened in and heard about uh Kobe was mentioned Daryl Waltrip and he's got a funny story about him and a few different things so so also on the serious as well Yeah I'm I'm really enjoying that and the
3: guy that I work with his name is Brad Gilly okay. and uh, we really have we have a good time he's been a long time um, announcer reporter working for, you know, Sirius XM, PRN Radio. I mean, he's just an all-around uh, huge talent and uh, very honored to be working with him. And we'd be, you know, putting on we, – we, we really enjoy our show on, on Tuesday night. We've got, a, we've got a good following of folks that call in regularly. I love, I love call in. I really do. I, I, I feel like, you know, you get an opportunity to connect with your fans and they can ask you uh, serious stuff. They can ask you stupid stuff. Or they can just ask you stuff that's
1: shitty. (laughs) Well, and I appreciate you taking the time to do this show with us. Uh, I thought it it could be uh, entertaining for the folks that maybe aren't uh, racing fans, but might be interested and and folks on your side that might not be as involved in the rodeo side of things that they want to know a bit more about
2: that. So I appreciate you taking the time to visit with us, but. I want to pass it over to Kovia Why don't you get us, get us started here. There's a story that happened to me being a long time race fan. I can't say long time. 2003 was my entry into kind of loving the sport, but I, I came to the NFR in, I want to say 2012 or 2013 in Vegas. And uh, I was just there with uh, my partner at the time, uh, kicking around chasing royalty around the world and whatever we were doing at the time. And we're at the NRS convention and being that, that race fan, I heard this voice a couple rows over and went, Holy hell. I recognize that from a mile away. And that was Jeff Hammond's voice. And I come around the corner. I think I shook your hand there. You were uh, hanging around with the tough Coopers, of the world. And it just, it blew my mind to, to see just that's that same crossover that I've experienced, but at, at a level of yours and, and someone who's done so much on one side of the sport. And, and it just made me wonder what you're doing on, on the rodeo side, where your love of that uh, sport came from and, and, and your involvement in it all today.
3: Well, I appreciate you saying that, and I think first and foremost, we need to set the record straight. You will find out real quick that there's a lot of race fans that love rodeo, especially around the South. Um, We don't have quite the elaborate uh, rodeos and, and, you know, granddaddy of them all like you guys have out in Texas and up in Canada, but What we do have around here, we support, and uh, we get just as excited about it, you know, if we were at the NFR. And the fact of being at the NFR, it was a direct connection with racing. If you go back to the early days of uh, R.J. Reynolds, when they came into NASCAR and started sponsoring, which they were the big cigarette deal, they also had a few years that they went in and sponsored uh, rodeo. They had, you know, the, the Winston uh, Rodeo Series. So because of, of that connection with R.J. Reynolds, uh, I got an opportunity to go to some to the NFR uh, a lot. I started going to the NFR probably in 19 – oh, I say 1987. And, uh, I mean, I went for like um, 15, 16 years straight. I'd go I'd go, to, to go to Vegas. I mean, that was my vacation away from racing. And because of my love of going, I started meeting people um, from Justin Boots. I got a really good friend that used to be there uh, in Don Andrews and part of the sports medicine group. Uh, I also served on the, uh, you know, ju- the Justin uh, Crisis Fund and was an endorsee for Justin Boots for many years. Still, I still am today. I just don't push it that much. But where I'm coming at with all of this is that I have found that there are so many similarities and, and the fact that, you know, racing is kind of like a mono, we mono type sport, you know, and you always are kind of like, you're flirting with danger. So anybody who knows anything about rodeo, uh, you can't get hurt. And I, I mean, I'm a testament to that. I mean, not only did I, I enjoy going, uh, I enjoy participating. So, you know, from raising cows, raising bucking and bulls with Jerome Davis to team roping to steer wrestling uh, I mean, I've tried a little bit of everything. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm not real good at any of it, but it doesn't stop me from trying. And I have had an opportunity to compete around the country because of it. Uh, I actually went with uh, Jimmy Smith of the Smith Brothers Legend uh, down to you know Cowtown one night on a Friday night, and we were at the uh, at the arena that night, and we borrowed a couple of horses and a couple of ropes, and we went out and we spun one, and we actually won the go that night. So, you know, I I enjoy the uh the camaraderie i love the competition i love the excitement and at the same time like any good cowboy i can do without the pain i mean i've broken my <laughs> wrist here wrestling and i've i've I pulled the end of my thumb off one time team wrestling. so um you know it you both said it at the same time huh <laughs> I, I said it once to myself but no i i really uh I really love the fact that I think a lot of people miss um, not, not looking at our sport. I mean, like when I'm not watching racing, I'm watching Cowboy Channel and seeing what's going on around the country. That's just – that's the way that's I kind of so – roll.
2: Cool. Oh, we got the doggos. You know, that is so cool. Hey,
3: you, got, you got to have the dogs. I mean, I can bring mine in too. If we <laughs> we going to start to compare. But, um, I, I, really, dogs, uh, nice. I really enjoy the people uh in rodeo just like I do in racing and most people are real personable and very supportive and uh to me that that makes both sports very special
1: who are the ones who got you into trying the events like who where, who is the first person to be like hey man you want to give us a go or were you kind of like seeking that out as you met people uh
3: it, it was really an accident because I grew up having a pony and I'm a, a small horse when I was younger. But when I got into racing, all that stuff went away. Uh, actually, my wife and where she was working at, there was a guy that was doing – he was a contractor. And he was you know, rebuilding or you know, uh, building an addition on where, where she worked at the Cable Vision Company. Pretty smart guy, me. I got somebody that had you – know, you know how much expensive cable is? I got cable for free because I got hooked up with her. But <laughs> – he, he was uh, he was in team roping and he invited us to uh, a ro- local rodeo one you know Friday night when I went' off on the road and we went down there and we started talking and I've always you know I've always wanted to be and I'm going to use the term very loosely I've always wanted to be a cowboy I've always wanted to build a ride I've always wanted to build a rope and he said uh, if you want to learn you know I'll be glad to show you so that was kind of like the, the beginning of it. And that was, you know, I don't know, 35, 35 years ago, I'd say, when all this kind of got started rolling. And because of that introduction, it led to horses. It led to a trailer. It led to practicing. It led eventually to Let what I have here in my, my house. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to bring that up. You know, all of my, uh, all of my extra money, Uh, it's, it's out here in the backyard and cattle (laughs) as well as an arena. And, uh, you know, we put on events here. So, uh, I don't know. It's just, it, it, it gets in your blood. I mean, as I said, if I'm not watching racing, I'm watching rodeo. And if I'm not doing either one, I'm working on farm equipment and, you know, doctoring cattle and taking care of stuff. So you're not the
1: only person we know that's uh, horse poor and you had something else anyways. I said it's just cowboying, man. It's always cowboying. I mean, if that's what you—if that's what
3: you really constitute <laughs> being a cowboy, then I—I I, I guess I would qualify in in the minor role because uh, I don't know. It's just—it's just a passion. Whenever you know you got, I guess I'm one of them kind of people who doesn't mind cleaning the stall because I think that much of my horse. You know what I'm saying? I, I never complain because you know I want the best for him and. I don't think he needs to live in a dirty stall. So I wouldn't want to live in one. So I go out and clean it and I don't complain.
2: You know, it's just one of those things. 15 years straight of seeing the national finals rodeo. You must've seen some, some moments. There's been some absolutely incredible rides, records runs at the NFR. What stands out for you the most going to the uh, Thomas and Mac and, and seeing, you know, rodeo Cowboys come to the pinnacle of their event? I think, I think really what, what uh, kind of
3: blows my mind is the fact that, uh, once again, the people that come to that place and pack it each and every night that that event's going on. And I think the other thing, when you start talking about events, uh, like sitting there and watching Jake and Clay, you know, win all their championships like they did. Uh, watching Speed Williams, because Speed Williams grew up down south here. and I, I've watched him rodeo. Uh, and go out there. Luke Brown, a uh, good friend of mine from here in South Carolina, uh, you know, making it out there and, and winning, you know, the uh, uh, average or average title out there a couple of different times. But the one that stands out the most, and I think a lot of people you mentioned, um, Tuff Cooper. Well, I was out there the night that tough Hedeman uh, had his running in with uh, a bull named Bodacious. And I've never been so fearful for an individual in my entire life because as much as the crowd was hollering, uh, whenever he hit that bull and uh, dashboarded him, you could hear it just like somebody slapped a a flat-bladed shovel against the concrete. And I I just – I was just – I figured it was just – he was done. I mean, I really figured that bull done drove his, his, his nose up into his brain or something. But, you know, he shook it off and walked out. And um, I'm always going to have a lot of respect for him for having grit like, you know, like nobody else.
2: That must have been the year they turned him out later in the
1: – I think he drew him the next year, if I remember right. Yep. He didn't draw the same year, did he? Or was it the PPR finals where he got – It
2: was a different event, but, like, not long
1: after, like six months after where he turned yeah. him yeah. out. He, yeah. he, got,
3: he, got, he had just gotten well enough. And, yeah. And he, he he drew him and got on him and, and stepped off of him and he went out. You know, so it,
2: it was it. <laughs> Takes a bit of cowboy shit. That'd be that that'd too, be uh, that'd be
1: one of the more gnarly wrecks to witness in person, man. I couldn't imagine it. It'd be awful. It it was.
3: I mean, I've seen a, uh, quite a few, but at the same time, it's it's amazing um, how these guys bounce back. And again, uh, they know what's at stake when it comes to the finals. I mean, you know, you got to ride hurt, you ride. And and it's always incredible to see the. Uh, I don't know, just to see how it kind of plays out in the end, because uh, I've been fortunate enough to, to open and, and not stay to the end, and I've been fortunate enough to stay to the end and, and be there for that night and for the, you know, for the, trophy, for the uh, saddle presentation and everything and finding out who the winners are after 10 straight rounds. I mean, it's, it's very intense, and we think about racing, uh, I guess the closest thing we ever had like that was the speed weeks at Daytona. And we, you know, race a lot every day, practice every day and race. But uh, for whatever reason, anybody that's ever rodeoed for a living, when you do 10 that straight days of it, especially rough stock, uh, you got to be mad. You got to have a special attitude to be able to go do that and keep walking away every night and get back on the next night.
2: That was one of the questions you alluded to, the similarities between the rodeo community and the racing community. Um, but from the inside, as someone who got to, travel the the circus if you will uh ted and i have had the been, been lucky enough to travel the pbr canada cup series up here just 10 10 events across the nation we've kind of developed a heck of a little bond what kind of similarities have you seen on the rodeo side to to that side to you know being on the road as much as they are and and being with the same people everywhere you go it's it really boils down to the
3: uh you know the planning that that both of these series have to have the execution. I mean, it's not that you know, when you've got three or four rodeos in a week, uh, number one, you got to make sure you get entered correctly. You know, getting everything lined up with travel, you know, with travel just like we do and executing, making sure race cars that need to be on the west coast are there, and those who uh, are getting ready to come to a, another event, like I say, we go out west and we go, you know, to uh, Phoenix and we go to Las Vegas and California and all those races out there, we got to have multitude of cars lined up and ready to go. we got to have people ready to haul it. And I, I understand, especially with the, uh, the timed event guys, it's got multiple horses and stuff, and you got to make sure you've got a good horse at each event. And so making sure all this stuff, you know, is executed and everybody's where they need to be uh, if you need to fly so you can get there and, and get to the next event, all this stuff, it's about planning. We got plenty and everybody working together. I've seen it in our sport of racing. Somebody has a problem, a breakdown. Uh, you figure out a way that, you know, I've got an extra tractor or I got, you got a trailer problem. I'll bring it to you. Uh, it's that sharing and caring that you bring your, your fiercest competitor to the, to the next event for one reason, one reason only to beat him. It's the same way in, in rodeo. You know, if somebody gets hurt, somebody needs a horse, you know, they'll give it to you. you know, go out there and get, you know, ride it steer wrestling, or even a calf roper, you, uh, you, you know, you bar the horse, you know, and you may go out and take the guy's money out of his own pocket, but you know, he doesn't worry about that. Cause you get, you've got to steal, you got to be him. And, and I, I look at it the same way that we do in racing. We just, we go and we go and we go. I think that's the, uh, the one thing you enjoy being home more because you go so much, uh, when it counts the most.
2: Yeah, that's a true fact.
1: It's a, I was, I've only really started uh, watching a bit of it this last year, honestly. What I I was at home and I called Kobe. I was like, "What is this on TV that I'm watching?" He,
2: he was watching the new Bush Clash or whatever the heck yeah, the they're calling the thing uh, at the Coliseum this year, and, and and made the mistake mm-hmm. of popping that on. And it was an excellent uh, excellent spot to start in the sport. It was just a really really small small representation of what the sport is for for someone's first time. Go ahead. So so you've never seen.
3: Uh, them race on the track that small.
1: I never had, and I, I'd only seen like I'd seen some football there previously, and then I was like, "Holy smokes! They're they're racing in a in this same stadium that they were playing football on not long ago." Like it was quite tiny, but but I've also never seen a race in person either. But uh, I was just looking at the schedule here because we're going to be in Phoenix here next week. But you guys are in a different spot this next uh the next yeah. little while. But the season you're mentioned being away from home. And the season is extremely long. It looks like you kind of almost go year round. There's not really much of an off season.
3: Well, we we have 36 weeks where you guys have multitude of events because you got you know you know every other day you're doing something. But with us, uh, when we go to we go for the weekend. We go in like this weekend. We're going to be in Martinsville, Virginia, and they'll roll in there on Saturday, and they'll do their practices and stuff, and they'll go race Saturday night. But the next week we'll be going to Bristol, so up in Tennessee, and we'll be there for a couple of days there. So it's really similar, and it looks longer as far as when we start and when we end, but we have really less events than a, than a rodeo rider would, you know. So it's it's kind of like a little bit misleading, but the overall preparation, and everything is really important. Um, because you know getting the cars ready is a little bit just a little bit different than what you have to do as far as sometimes
2: keeping horses prepared you don't have to take them apart <laughs> this <is> true <laughs> well i'd love to roll into just talking a little bit about your racing career if you if you wanted to get into that the you came through the era of the gray area being slightly larger for a crew chief um the the era of hollowing out uh frame rails and and doing all the crazy things to to gain that that competitive edge what's one of the craziest things you ever saw on the track a guy can't go and admit i don't think nascar hands out the fines this this long in a guy's career but uh what's some of the crazier things you saw in your in your earlier racing days through those 70s 80s well you know and you're correct the statute of limitations has expired
3: so i don't have to worry <laughs> about getting any uh <laughs> uh, any notice in the mail at least as far as you know they're going to penalize me after all this time but no it back in the day uh what a lot of what we did was because of what the competitor was doing and a lot of people point at somebody and say well you know the petties were winning all the races and you found out that they were fudging a little bit on engine size or something so then maybe you'll maybe you try to do the same thing and only reason i bring that up is that he got – Richard Petty got caught with a big engine uh, one year, and, and it really uh, kind of opened a lot of people's eyes about how they were, you know, uh, skirting around the rules. So uh, – but for myself, uh, this happened one time when we were at Bristol, Tennessee, racing against Darrell Walter before he drove for Junior Johnson. I was with Cale Yarborough, and when he came down Pitt Road, it felt like someone was shooting me with uh, a BB gun or spraying me with, with, you know, with rock salt or something. Because what what he'd done, he'd been dropping lead shot out of his frame rail to make his car lighter during the course of the race. And it didn't come out where he thought it was. It actually came out going down Pitt Road. So afterwards, we got into a big uh, debate uh, about what was going on. And NASCAR said, so well, we can't do nothing about it. We weighed the cars prior to the event, not after the event. So, Junior Johnson and the rest of us, we put our our thinking caps on, and we said, okay, if that's what they're going to do. We built some wheels, and we were able to uh, make them heavier. And on our first pit stop, we pull the lead wheels off all four corners and put regular wheels on, and the car would automatically be
2: almost 150 pounds lighter.
3: Yeah. That's
2: got to – I mean, what what did you think – 150 pounds was worth back then time uh time wise on track uh, obviously the you know the the margins are narrow as all hell in a competitive uh, environment like that but what do you think it was worth um i mean
3: the thing that made it a big plus to us was more about the tire wear you know being lighter you don't wear your tires as much and also when you get lighter you make more horsepower because you know horsepower to weight ratio So the car is going to be a little bit quicker on acceleration. Uh, It's going to be a little bit easier even on the brakes because you're not, got as much mass trying to stop it. So, I mean, it had like four or five different variables that kind of came into play and it, I will honestly say it helped us win, you know, several races during the course of years. And we only did it on short tracks because you could only do it on tracks without interliners. These are special wheels and we, we raced them for several years but always on short tracks.
2: Daytona 500. I've always uh, just being someone who's got to go across the, the lines of rodeo and and auto racing. uh, I've always compared it to, you know, you go win the Calgary stampede or, or frontier days, things like that. Can you talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about being a crew chief in an era where what you, what you run is what you run type of thing at a super speedway as dangerous as it was through the time. And then like, just kind of having to work through your career to finally achieve that and then getting to achieve it with, with a guy like, uh, like Daryl and in the times you did, I I guess you would kind of like call it a
3: a life adventure because I mean, I started racing when I was 12 years old, you know, probably very similar to a lot of people you guys know in the rodeo world, you know, Oh, I watched this kid when he was, you know, doing mutton busting and this, this, and this, well, you know, I was 12 years old and we started out running dirt because of the, uh, proximity where I lived, I grew up around the Earnhardt family, which included Daddy Ralph, along with, you know, Dale when he was a young man. And eventually I knew Dale really well and, you know, Dale Jr. and everything. So um, it, it was really an exciting period and, and the advan- adventure of watching all these people that were idols of mine, from Dale Lindman to Richard Petty to David Pearson Uh, I mean, I grew up around those people. I mean, I worked within the industry and learned a lot, you know, from these guys, not only drivers, but mechanics along the way. And then, you know, working for somebody like Junior Johnson, who's a Hall of Famer, uh, one of the top 50 drivers of all time when it comes to NASCAR racing, and an incredible, incredible car owner. And and the, the most impressive part about it is his background. I mean, he grew up being a moonshiner and running moonshine for a living. And and his daddy and his family. I mean, that's who they were. I mean, they went, they all went to, to prison at one time or another, including Junior. Uh, so it, it's a period in our life and our history of this country that uh, I guess you might say I was I was blessed to be involved in, but not involved in. If that makes sense. I mean, I knew the people that were, but I never did any moonshine. I May mean, drink a little bit, but it didn't mean <laughs> it didn't make it
2: that's excellent the uh the pbr is moving to uh to a team uh format i uh richard childress racing i believe is involved you know a little bit more and austin dillon yeah
1: i wonder what uh what your thoughts on that were jeff and what you knew about it so far and just kind of your take on on the pbr side and then after that i want to get into the the buck and bull side with jerome a little bit too
3: well i'm i'm very excited about it i mean i was there over there at richard Childress's winery. Uh, the day they made the big announcement here in North Carolina about that North Carolina had a PBR team and that he and uh, Austin would be, uh, Richard be the owner, Austin be kind of like the manager. And you got Jerome Davis. He's, he's the, uh, the coach. And, and taking care of the everyday business of, of the Bulls and the Riders. It's going to be real exciting. I think it's going to be a new page uh, for the PBR and you know, they've done a pretty pretty snazzy job of getting a lot of eyes and butts and seats since they started the PBR. And I think this is a continuation of how you can really maybe, which I hope it turns out this way, we're gonna, you know, hopefully draw from a state, you know, we're gonna draw we're gonna draw fans, you know, new fans to an event that maybe some of them have been to, but with a little bit more of a sense of pride and when I say that, and I, this is not nothing derogatory, but it's a lot of the, you know, the, the South American riders, you know, a lot of people, they know them, but they don't know them. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, we're being, you know, from the good old U.S. of A, you want to pull for U.S. US of A riders. So I think that, you know, if, if all of a sudden you've got a Brazilian or some in South America that's on your team for North Carolina, you know, and you've got a couple of boys from the United States, you know, you're gonna pull for this group because y'all they need each other. This is a totally different concept because I think most people look at bull riding as an individual sport. I think nobody on that bull but you. But now when you ride, I think you don't you you're gonna ride for that score even more so. Not this I always think about how on the edge you maybe you can be. Uh is this a bull you can get on the edge and make a big score and help your team? Uh or if this is just one you need to cover. So I think uh I think the mindset, how they approach, who they, who they draft, and how they, you know, line them up for the upcoming events that they're going to be going to. And when you think about the 11 cities they're going to, you know, you, you mentioned uh, big events and big places. I mean, going to Cheyenne to start with. I mean, I'm, I'm excited about the, the – the, uh, the, the, I guess you might say their, their tour and where all they're going to be, including coming here to Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and having an event here basically in Richard's backyard – um, you know, I'm, like I say, I, I'm really jacked up about it. And I really feel like that it's uh, going to be a great opportunity for the riders, but more so for the fans to maybe connect. And I think this year will be the beginning, just tip of the iceberg and what we can expect. Cause I think we're going to see some big money thrown around. I think the next year and this open draft is going to be available and the teams that want to dominate, all you got to do is dig, dig in a hip pocket, and, uh, spend a little bit of money. You can get, you can, you can get yourself a team that's almost unbeatable if you, if
1: you're, uh, if you're lucky. Have there been a positive reception from the community that you've noticed. Like if are people excited after the announcement to have this type of thing in their city?
3: Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing is, um, Jerome has got a really good following here in, in North Carolina. And I think we got, a, we've got, a, you know, we got several bull riders that come from the Carolinas that, uh, I think are really excited about the opportunity to not only ride in the regular tour, but here we've got a continuation. I mean, the season doesn't stop, but yet it's going to, it's going to be a totally different, I say, I feel like it's going to be a a totally different vibe that you're going to feel. I think these guys, it's going to be hard for them not to be, even, even though they do, but I think it's really going to make – when you see these guys cheering for one another, a, a little bit like we saw at the AT&T deal uh, earlier this year before the American, cool. when the PBR was there and they were – you know, when they were riding against each other from the countries. I mean, it, I thought we uh, we saw a, a lot more energy and, and a totally different energy than we, we normally see in a bull riding.
1: So, but you go back to the teams, and I didn't realize – I never thought of it that way on the Brazilian side of things because the PBR has a tough time, a tougher time marketing when the Brazilian guys are winning. But it's it's a it's kind of similar, even so. Way where a lot of the NHL hockey players are. A lot of them are from Canada, but they're playing in the U.S. But the you know a team in Vegas will cheer for their team even though it's mostly Canadian. It's kind of a I never thought of it in that way, but I, I like that idea. There's even that point in like the '90s and stuff where the European players would get a lot of trouble and stuff because they it was primarily North American people. And so the fans would have a hard time getting behind someone from Europe or Russia or wherever it may be, and be more support for your more North American guys. But I think with a team format, it's easier, like you say, to get the communities behind it, like you see in Calgary or wherever else you have your teams, right?
2: Rolling right off the back of that, the marketing of rodeo and bull riding versus the marketing of racing, they can't be too dissimilar and are always competing for new fans. There's no question we've seen a a rise and a decline in in stock racing and NASCAR specifically. We see the rise and declines in the PBR and the rodeo world. What do you think these communities can teach each other about marketing and getting, like you said, those butts in seats to to be watching the product uh, up close? Well, it's, it's
3: always been my belief when it comes to racing that, you know, if you have, if you're lucky enough to have a racetrack in your city, take advantage of it. Cause we have one right up the race, up the road here, a place called North Wilkesboro Speedway that we've been trying to um, resurrect. And, you know, we're getting closer and closer. And the reason why is that when they pulled that racetrack, pulled that date away from that track, it really killed the community. I mean, literally, it's one of the, the uh, poorest counties in the state of North Carolina because of it. And we keep telling anybody, if you've got a racetrack in, in NASCAR or SMI, which is you know Speedway Motorsports Incorporated, if they pull your date because you're not supporting it and take it somewhere else, you probably never get it back. And, and the economic impact is astronomical. And I think here again, um, I always tell anybody that's got a sporting event, support it. It's it's a part of who you need to be and want to be. Because once you lose it, there's no guarantee you're going to get it back. And I feel the same way when you got rodeos. Uh, you think about getting on a rodeo schedule today. It's not an easy thing to do because you got so many big events, and I mean, they're, and they're huge. I mean, you, a lot of these places, it's not that you can just call up and enter. You got to be invited to enter. So it's it's a big deal, and racing is the same way. You know, you have an opportunity for maybe you know forty spots, and if you get where there's not, not enough cars, then you know you're in. But if you got more than enough cars, you got to qualify. So it's it's real important that you, you know you get jacked up as far as a competitor. But more important than as a fan, you go and let them know that this date is important. These drivers are important. This event is a community event. And support it, and I feel the same way when it comes to rodeo. I mean, I, I think that can you ever imagine the Thomas and Mac not being able, not being full? Yeah, that'd be different. You know, <laughs> and and I want to throw one other thing out there real quick. Uh, it, it is that um, the one thing I really love about the NFR is when they start introducing all the cowboys and cowgirls from the states and the countries that are represented. And I think that's another thing that I think they're trying to do with PBR. I think they're looking at something that has worked really well in the NFR and trying to make sure everybody understands this has got everybody that is anybody around the country. You know, a lot of people represent. I know when i was sitting there at the NFR and the North Carolina flag came out and Jerome Davis or Luke Brown's, you know, carrying it, you know, I get I get I get pumped. I really do because, you know, I I'm I believe in the state of North Carolina. I'm a bunch, a bunch of old Tar Heels around here. And we, we can show these boys that we, you know, we can swing a rope just as good or, you know, ride a bull just as good. So uh, it's a sense of pride in everything we do. And I think this is maybe the concept that the PBR is throwing out there is how important that really is. You know, fans uh, need to be fans of their state and their team that represents their state.
1: Jerome, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Jerome was the first bull rider – from East of the Mississippi to be a world champion. Isn't that correct?
3: That is correct.
1: And then, uh, I guess one of the next ones would have been JB and win a couple of times, but, um, uh, but yeah, I, well, I just want to throw that in, in there for anybody that might not, might not have known or remembered. Um, uh, but so we got the buck and bull side of things, but I, I want to get back on, the on the, where we were just talking and, uh, I had a couple of things, but now I'm kind of forgetting.
2: You wanted to ask about Jerome a bit more, in, yeah. and yeah, uh, I
1: got to ask about Jerome because you mentioned that uh, you had some uh, bucking bulls at one point. We talked before we did the show, but let, let's talk about that for a bit, and then I got a couple more other things I want to get to as well. But talk about the bull side of things. It looks like is that your ranch brand on the hat you're wearing? Is yes, or that's, that's, that's yeah. What that is? That's uh, the
3: that rafter H three is is uh, is my brand.
1: Okay, and where and K, yeah. where did Hollywood come from? Where's that nickname from? What's the story?
3: <laughs> uh that really it got branded on me in 1981 uh we had Mountain Dew as a sponsor Daryl was the driver and I was working Junior Johnson and Junior came to me and said hey uh, our ad agency for Mountain Dew and Pepsi they need for us to go down to Charltonville Speedway and then want us to shoot a commercial well I ain't got all day for everybody to go down there and, and take care of this. So, Jeff, you go take care. Of it. I loaded up the race car, got me some help. Um, we went to Charlotte. Started working with the uh, producers and directors, and these people from New York, it'd be almost the same thing if you brought them to y'all's event. They wouldn't know nothing about horses and cows, and they didn't know a whole lot about race cars either. So they always looked at these storyboards, and they were telling me about how they wanted to do this, and, how want, and you can't do that. It won't work. Me, it won't work, but well, they'll work like this. You know, I'm saying you help them. So I'm going along there and rewriting the storyboards and trying to do the, you know, the uh, stunt coordinating. We got cars out there in a pack, you know, and they're running them around and we got, you know, live action stuff so they can get all their footage that they were looking for. So, you know, had a, had a really successful day. Well, the next day we were all supposed to come back, the whole crew and shoot the, the reg, you know, the the official commercial. We had all the other stuff need to be done. We just had to do a quick pit stop and one victory lane, and then we could go back to North Wilkesboro and work on the race course. So we all walk in, get out of the van that day, walk in, and these TV producers or the commercial producers, they said, uh, "We want y'all to know that we've got a new member of our cast." And they all kind of look. We talk about. They stepped out of the way and they had a chair sitting there. And they had gone out that night and it was a director's chair. And they had the back of it, they had Hollywood Hammond. (laughs) That's awesome. You know, uh, and they gave me an associate producer's role. So that's where it stuck from. I mean, they started calling me Hollywood around the shop, and it just hung in there for all these years, and um it's a little bit like once I got into broadcasting, we were in Rockingham and we'd had a new portable state studio that they had myself and Chris Myers in. And somebody um, said something about, you know, it's such and such and such and such. And Daryl Walter jumped up and said, uh-uh, it's the Hollywood hotel. Them two Hollywood boys down there, hotel. both of them are from Hollywood or think they are. And you know, the Hollywood hotel stuck with the Fox deal throughout all those years. And the, the nickname has pretty much been around and, I still use it as my Twitter handle today. Uh, It's just, it's kind of like one of those things that they they branded it on you it's kind of hard to get it off.
1: (laughs) So uh, I don't remember, I don't remember if you had any bulls uh, by the name of Hollywood, but maybe that, maybe that's one of the next ones should be.
3: I had, I had one at one time uh, come up through, we started off with, we got Daryl to go along with us and uh, Jerome and I thought it'd be kind of cool. We had one bull, we called him boogity, boogity, boogity. And then we got rid of him because his three boogities wasn't working. So we did one more with boogity boogity. He still didn't come out like we wanted him. And then I had one called Hollywood Nightmare. And he still didn't come out like we wanted to. The only one that's been really good was, I think, uh, it was X2. And uh, we didn't do anything fancy with him. We just put X2 on him and, and let him go. Uh, but he, he, he went undefeated. We finally sold him last year. He was thirty. I no, see, he was 20, 28, no, 28. No, he was pretty
1: good. Oh, wow. So, so you, you're, you're still in the bull business then. I, I didn't, I didn't know that part. What, what, what do you have for bulls and, and where are they? And how old no, we, they?
3: when we sold that one, I haven't gone back, Jerome and I haven't, uh, because of what he's getting ready to get into and what he's got going on and what I've been going through. Uh, I hadn't really been worried about getting another one yet, uh, Probably maybe next year I may go to one of the uh, futurities and see what he's got selling or whatever, and may get another new one, and, and see what comes out of it because uh, it's something fun to do. And I love I love Tiffany, and, and Jerome, uh, utmost respect. Man's got a ton of courage, and and he's got definitely no quit when it comes to doing what life has challenged him with he overcomes it each and every day. And I mean, I, when I get around him, I just, I feel like a better person because of him. And also it makes me feel like Hammond, if you ever, if you ever complain, I want somebody to hit you with a two by four. (laughs) It's just, I I just, it it just makes me feel like, you know, I, I never ever will, you know, feel like I'm having a bad day.
1: Um, Well, Colby, you can hit me if it's a bad question, but I'm, I'm after, (laughs) talking to jeff here now i'm wondering like what what do you drive jeff like personally for a vehicle like if you're a race car driver like what is a what is a yeah what a race car driver crew chief, a Toyota crew chief like, what, probably yeah, something, something a, little bit, <laughs>
2: a little bit fun a little bit fuel economic and not too hard on the tires and it's probably there's probably a dually
1: like a big a big truck at some point too if you're in the bull business and you got a ranch like you got a truck too so I, I I'm curious. I got, I don't know if is it a, is that a bad one? I don't think question? it's a bad question. No? Okay. Crew
3: chief's going to want a little bit of everything, right? Well, I mean, I would probably surprise you in, in a lot of ways. Um, we've got a suburban, which is kind of like to get around a vehicle for everybody. And, you know, especially with their grandkids. Uh, I do have a dually with a flatbed on it. Uh, that's my, you know, my farm truck. I did have a, uh, a tractor, you know, that I pull my stock, I mean, my stock trailers with as well as uh, when I'm hauling, you know, my cattle hauling trailer, bull hauling trailer. Uh, but I got rid of it last year. We were downsizing. But the one that will probably blow your mind the most is I've got a Chevrolet HHR that I run all over every place with.
2: Really? Interesting. Yeah. I don't even know what that is. That's the, um, it like uh, it's P- like the PT Cruiser, PT Cruiser? but like yeah. kind of cool. Chevrolet version. Yeah. Oh, really Chevrolet yeah. version that yep. is wild. I to, what about, what about race car relics? What have you kept from your racing career? Um, I know that you hear about like Dale jr with his car graveyard and all that. And, uh, what, what are some of the prize pieces you kept from your years? Uh, you know, calling the shots from the top of the pit box.
3: I have every uniform that I've ever worn at least one through all the years when I started back in 1976 Holly Farms starting out with Cal Yarborough, Bush Beer, First National City Travelers Check, Mountain Dew, um, Pepsi, Budweiser. I mean, just keep coming up through their tide. I mean, we just, I mean, it's, I've got a lot of uh, old uniforms and fire suits, uh, especially when I was going over the wall, because I jacked the car for, uh, for three decades. So I didn't just sit on top of the toolbox. I was physically involved in changing tires. And know, I was the jack man for all those years. Plus the fact that uh, during the course of my career, we won two pit crew championships with me being, you know, being over the wall. So it's uh,
2: it's been a lot of fun. What made you pick the uh, the suits, the the uniforms you wore? I know that you can pick relics through a career I've started doing that and the odd thing and I've had to boil it down to just, you know, hard cards and press credentials and things like that. What made you choose uh, the suits or the, the uniforms?
3: Cause to me, I think they said something about me and the the period of time that I was involved in the sport and you, you can kind of do cool things with them. Uh, I've got mannequins that I can put the uniforms on when I'm in my office uh, down in, Mooresville, North Carolina. I've got an office down there and I've got like five or six of the uniforms that are sitting around where I've got helmets of drivers that drove for me as well as my, one of my cup trophies. They're, they're kind of big. Um, and I got, got that in a display case down there. So I've got a clock here in the house that is from Martinsville that Daryl gave me, cause we won so many races up there. I mean, so it's like, you know, you wind up with a lot of stuff and I don't know, it just, it started that way. And it continues because you never know when you're going to run into something or somebody. Uh, for example, I just looked across the way right over on my on a shelf here in my house. And one of the first interviews I've ever done uh, for Fox sports was I interviewed uh, Joe Gibbs And Joe Gibbs, you know, he owns, you know, Joe Gibbs Racing, legendary coach for the Washington Redskins. Um, But he signed me a football, said, you know, good luck in your new career. So I've got that one along with, you know, footballs from Terry Bradshaw, Jerry Rice, you know, people you cross paths with. Um, I think one of the coolest footballs I've ever gotten was going over and visiting troops overseas in Korea and I had all of the generals that were at the base. I was uh, looking and I had uh, Thanksgiving dinner with the troops that day. Uh, and we we did a thing for Fox sports over there. And I had an extra football, NFL football, and I had all the generals sign it to my trip to Korea. So it's, there's things like that. You wind up, somebody might say you got a lot of trinkets and trash, but to me, every one of them is, it's a, it's a, it's a fond memory.
1: Um. I want to ask a couple of things about uh, some of the favorite races. And if, if uh, Wacey and Covey and I were going to go to one somewhere and meet, meet you at a race, well, where, where should we, where should we, what should we put on the calendar to, as a bucket list thing to go, I, go see in person? I can
2: say that from experience. We should just meet them down at the Daytona 500 because that's where you need to go. It's, okay. it's the, it's the, the super bowl of it all, but I'm sure Jeff's got some insight. Well, if I was
3: going to make a recommendation, if you want to see one of the wild and, and probably one of the craziest races we're going to run all year long. I would always recommend Bristol, Tennessee.
2: The dirt race this year again.
3: Yeah, the dirt race is, is this in, in two weeks. I'm talking about the night race in August. I mean, it's, it's, it's a bad to the bone event. And if you can imagine what you watched, Ted, on the uh, screen earlier this year from California when they ran around the football field, this is a quarter mile bigger but it's banked more like daytona and if you can imagine they make a lap there about every in race speed it's still somewhere around between 14 90 15 seconds flat and you got
2: 40 cars and you got 40 cars on this track
1: holy shit
2: yeah Bristol's something it's, else it's, there's a lot of history there too a lot of yeah. wild moments uh, the new car where are you at on the new car i i know that it's turned the racing into just a, a fantastic product to watch again i know the air dependency on the nose of the last cars kind of made it a little bit tough. This car looks really good. How do you think it's going to short track race? We've got a few, few short track weeks coming up here that people could pay attention to on Fox and, and TV. And, and uh, yeah, what do you think this new car is going to show us on the, on the small tracks? I don't think it's going to stop. I really,
3: I really don't. Kobe. I think that all the races we've seen this year have been very competitive uh, and very unpredictable uh, the one we had last weekend in Richmond wound up being one of the most unbelievable strategy races that we've seen all year long. I mean, we thought one guy was going to win it and then like another guy was going to win it. Oh, hang on here a minute. We had two other guys go around, those two guys, and they battled it out in the last two or three laps. So it, it has really opened up the floodgates for anything and everything because these cars are wearing the tires differently. The cars are responding differently to different racetracks. Uh, I don't think it's going to be any different this weekend when we go to Martinsville, a very flat, you know, tight racetrack. But I think the durability of the car is going to let them have more fun beating and banging on each other. But I think the fact that the car should break better, it should corner better. I think we're going to open up an outside lane and it's going to make it really look like, you know, you're stuck side by side racing for what's going to be a 400 lap race this time instead of the normal five. Uh, it's just, it's going to be a, uh, what it has been so far this year is unpredictable, totally unpredictable.
1: The uh, you mentioned Bristol. So, what are what are a couple or the one or are there any races that you get to every year or can't miss or that are always on your calendar? I I, I think you mentioned Bristol. Not, Bristol is that one that you're you're at every year? As, no as much
3: what? as he talks about you know going to uh, Daytona, I love Daytona, but being that Charlotte is basically in my backyard. And then I've got a cabin up in the mountains that's only about an hour or so from the racetrack in Bristol. Uh, I go over there whenever I get an opportunity and and watch that race. I mean, uh, it's it's a racetrack where I've had a lot of success. At one time, um, between Kale winning and Daryl winning, but more importantly with Daryl, he and I were hooked up together. We won seven races in a row there. Wow. For three years, over three years, nobody beat us.
1: Wow. So if we're if we were gonna go, if if I if I'm gonna go to a race, how do I do it? Like what? Where do I start? What do I do? Cause now I'm now I'm Call curious. Mate. How do I do it right? We're yeah. gonna Call get
2: the, we're gonna get the cowboy shit boys to a to a NASCAR race. I want a full here, I want Jeff, a full and, uh,
1: NASCAR experience. We want to see the full deal. Like what? I don't even know. lattes started. and everything. Dude, what? What kind was- of cowboys are y'all? <laughs> I love it. I love you- it. Lattes. Was, bush, oh, no, he's bush, latte. bush latte. it wasn't bush light it's bush, bush bush lights bush <laughs> okay all right I, okay I, I i i stand
3: corrected i stand corrected uh I, I said call me you tell me you look at your schedule we'll make something happen
2: okay that'd be yeah. way cool deal way yeah. cool
1: you'll have a few of us coming down yeah. and check it out um the uh uh what was i going to say okay uh we our brown cowboy shit how do we How do we get it on a car? How, how many more years do we get this happening? What do we got to do to put cowboy shit on a car? I, I think uh, that could work. I'm an
2: active iRacer, and I, I do a lot of the little graphic-y crap on that end, and, and there's plenty of iRacing uh, cowboy shit cars. I think it's just going to cost you a whole lot more money. Is that right? Uh, he is sitting down, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't want him to fall yeah. over when
3: I tell him it's going <laughs> to cost him. If he, wants to, if he wants to put his name on a car for 36 races, it's going to cost you about $20 million. Holy
2: shit. Yeah, no, there. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> yeah. no, no. You,
3: you got it wrong. It's cowboy shit. Yeah,
2: yeah so I, <laughs> I like it.
3: Holy shit!
1: But but I mean, like at a at a uh, you know at the at the amateur level or at the semi pro level, like do I got to start with somebody like that and work our way up, or, or what? You know, what do we? What about we do that way? Is there is there a level like that, or is that not? I mean, there's oh, there's
3: there, there. there are there are a lot of levels and a lot of different things. It just depends on how much money you want to in uh, invest that's the thing and and um i think you i think you should try it i think everybody that's never been a race sponsor owes it to themselves to invest money in a race team at least one time <laughs> then you know the same thing when you invest money into a horse <laughs> <laughs>
2: same kind of you thing. get a whole lot of really great experiences but there's not a whole lot of the other end right uh, there's not a lot of old on the other end. I mean, you—you, you, it's one of those.
3: Uh, the companies have to work very hard, able to uh, quantify the money they invest for the amount of return they get, and, and and does it work? Yes. I mean, one of the we've been with some of the best companies in the history of marketing, from Pepsi, you know, Anheuser Busch, Procter and Gamble. And, you know, when we had, you know, Tide on the car, I mean, we had more female race fans than just about any sponsor ever thought about having because every woman in the world uses Tide.
1: You, uh, you mentioned the rodeos and uh, what, am I, what was I trying to get at? and rodeos and the events and the event, and the event uh, near your home where the event went away.
2: Um, oh, Winston. Said, uh, sorry. Um, North Wilkesboro. Yeah. So
1: <laughs> what is the format of the races? Like with the rodeos, it's a it's a, usually a volunteer committee on the on the PRCA rodeo side of things. With the PBR, they go in and they'll partner with the venue or they'll own the event and they'll rent the venue and take all the ticket revenue. How, how do the how what is the format of the races? Like it, it, NASCAR is uh, running the races a, as the competition side. But are they Renting the track and are they taking all the gate or what? The, I have no idea what the format is on that. Where where why you know why would they have lost that date or what? How do they how does how do those events even work now?
3: Okay, uh, real quick history lesson would be you got NASCAR, which they're the sanctioning body, okay, but they also run um, the racetracks. They own a bunch of the racetracks. Oh, okay, okay, speedways. Yeah. You know, a lot of the speedways and everything like that. And then you've got another company. It's not the France family, but it's the Brute Smith and his his family, SMI. And they're the ones that own Charlotte, Atlanta, Las Vegas, Texas. They've got a, a bunch of racetracks. So they have come up with the sanctioning bodies and they share dates. You know, you you work, you, you pay uh, NASCAR for a date and they put you on a calendar. And that's how, they, how it really kind of like it works. You know, NASCAR will come in and run everything, but every one of the sanctioned bodies or every one of the people who are, are the track owners, you know, they, they control everything else as far as the ticket prices and everything else that goes on there, as well as, you know, the dates that you have. And that's, uh, that's probably the easiest way to explain it. And you go and you wonder what happened in North Wilkesboro. Well, back in the heyday, we have a lot of short tracks and racetracks that are a mile and under. They didn't have what you say a lot of large seating. At one time, if you didn't have a hundred thousand people or seats at a racetrack, you know, you built more. And the problem was with North Wilkesboro and Rockingham, uh, they just didn't have the capability of expanding. And people who owned them, which were SMI at the time, they wanted to move to another location with more seating up north, like in Loudon, New Hampshire. So they took one of the dates from there. And they took another date from there and they took it down to Texas when they opened Texas Speedway. So, you know, there's a hundred plus thousand seat down there. So it left the North Wilkesboro people without a, without a date. And they couldn't get back on the calendar. And the people who owned it said, it's better for us to close this place down and pay taxes on it than it is to try to keep it open because we can't get enough people in here to justify the amount of money that we need to make off of it. And, that, and that's really what it gets back down to. It's it's a uh, – the owners need to be able to make money and need to have, you know, suites and stuff like that, you know, VIP uh, boxes and everything. All that's all the things that North Wilkesboro didn't have. But now they're understanding the value of short tracks, and they're, they're now
2: realizing
3: that we need to go back there.
2: What kind of things? What kind of things is the local community doing that you may not see the the greater headlines doing to kind of bring an event and, and bring that track back to life? I know Dale Junior's done his little bit of effort and connecting them with the iRacing community and getting it digitized to to save it in that way. But what kind of smaller things are going on on the front lines to get uh, a North Wilkesboro date or or at least get the track back into a condition where it can be operating?
3: Well, what they've done, they went in and they tore down a lot of the. Uh, Old structure that was built back in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, and make, did a lot of renovating. Back in the day, they didn't really have good sewer and water. So the two communities, which is North Wilkesboro and Wilkesboro, Wilkes County, they've worked to bring in sewer and water uh, to make it where that's um, updated. They have worked with a lot of the local and state officials to use potentially North Wilkesboro as a destination for like a a fairground Uh, there. They use, they've used this uh, location several times for different movies that have been made in recent years. And it's also going to be, I think the, the the racetrack itself is going to be the main character of an up and coming movie about, you know uh, we want, you know, we want you back. And I think it's going to be pretty cool. I got a guy out of, you know, California getting ready to come out and, and produce a movie for it. Hopefully, I'm going to get a chance to play a part in it, which will be kind of fun. But that's that's really what they've done is you've got a lot of people who, who want to be here. and I mean, from the local people, all the um, first responders early last year in September or late October, October they came out one Saturday and brought all kinds of skid steers and chainsaws in a matter of one day they made that place look like a brand new racetrack. It was just, it was killing me how good wow. they were.
1: Wow. You mentioned the movie. Is that uh, the same movie we talked about the other day, or is, that a, is there another one in the works, a couple in the works?
3: Well, there's a couple in the work. You just never know what, what I'm going to be in and what's going on
2: with that. And I have to wait and see how it plays out. Uh, talking about – kind of playing roles in movies uh you were again front lines at uh at Daytona when they were filming Days of Thunder that's uh, like what kind of I guess what was the garage area like what was the, the the weeks of having Hollywood for real kicking around the NASCAR community I think was it 91 at the Daytona 500 if I'm not mistaken
3: I think that's correct uh, i would be I'll be totally honest with you sometimes the dates kind of escape me and I, I just know that I still have the pay stub whenever I got paid to, to double for Tom Cruise on some driving <laughs> scenes around racetrack July 4th. And um, it was kind of cool. They, were, they needed some stuff with, a, with a, a grandstand full of people. So they asked me to drive the car around the racetrack.
2: I drove the car around the racetrack. Like legitimately a stand-in for Tom Cruise. That
3: that's, is, what, that's what that the pay cool. stub says. I like so it. Is it he, is cool. Tom
1: Cruise a good guy? You get to meet him? Yeah. I've, I've, I've been, again, you know,
3: because of the business I've been in, I mean, I've met so many cool people and been around them. It's not even funny. Uh, Tom Cruise is one of them. Burt Reynolds is one. Uh, Paul Newman is another one. I, I never forget the first time I met him. I was in, I, actually, we were down testing and um, for the 500 in uh, January. And I, I get on the elevator at the Holiday Inn and go down to the next floor and he, he steps in and I look and I said, he said, how you doing, Jeff? And it's like, I had never been introduced to this guy and he knew who I was. I was floored. That's, really cool.
1: That's
2: wild. Yeah, it really ever, is.
1: Did you ever watch Slapshot? Cool. Huh? you ever watch Slapshot? Oh, yeah. Classic, oh, classic yeah. movie. <laughs> okay. Who, so who's the most famous person in your phone then? Who's your Who's the most? That's, that's yeah. got to be
2: a cowboy shit question, right? I'm curious now. Cal- Aside way? from Daryl
1: Walters.
3: Um. Okay, so I can't use Daryl. All right. <laughs> you can't um, use I'll tell you somebody that's that's in my phone list that uh, it probably kind of blow your mind because I, I think he's another one of those guys that, he's a legend. Uh, Buck Taylor. Wow. Wow. Yep. But Buck and I have – we met many years ago one time when I was looking for a horse and I was down in Texas, and I went over to some local event that they had going on, and Buck was there roping, and I got a chance to practice with him. We got to be friends, and going to the NFR like we were, I have got a lot of Buck Taylor artwork in my house because of that, and I just think that he is – he's Buck. I mean, I don't think I've ever met any man ever that's as nice and humble and friendly as Buck Taylor. And his wife is also a sweetheart. So, uh, he's, he's a, he's a number I'm pretty sure you would think is kind of like, can't believe kind of that, you know, you'd have him in there.
2: Uh, Canada, have you ever made your way up here for, for auto racing, be it an exhibition event out East a rodeo up here. Uh, and if you haven't, Is there somewhere you'd like to visit?
3: Yeah, I want to eventually one of these days come to Calgary and and be a part of that event. But I have been to Niagara Falls on the Canadian side. I have also, uh, back in the day when when I was working for uh, Jack Roush, we used to go to Canada and go take our cars up there and go wind tunnel
2: testing. Oh really? In Canada, where was the wind tunnel? Uh, I don't know if that's Lethbridge, C-Po, probably. But that's what's that? I don't know said if that's... Leth, Leth, Lethbridge, probably. <laughs> okay. Alberta joke. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, uh, where was the facility? What kind of connection? It, it was just there across there? the bridge, you know, up there in, in you know Michigan. That's wild. So that's wild. How much? Ontario. How much wind tunnel time did you guys spend in the? Kind of seventies, eighties, nineties. Did it? Oh gosh, just increase a or? lot, a
3: lot. I mean, well, you know, we had at that time they, they uh had the one up there in Canada. They had another one down at Lockheed in in Georgia. Then um, Chevrolet had theirs up in Detroit. And we've been up there many, many times in the winter uh, back in the day. And I've been we we always did our stuff on a midnight shift, so we didn't have a conflict with the. Uh, the design people, but NASCAR would be up there if you were with Chevrolet, Uh, even Indy cars. I mean, I I remember one time we were up there, AJ Foyt had his Indy car up there, wind tunnel testing it. So uh, that's kind of like, I mean, that's what we did. And now they got wind tunnels here in you know, in Mooresville, North Carolina. So nobody has to go anywhere when they can test because NASCAR restricts everybody pretty, pretty, pretty heavy.
1: You uh, you mentioned you uh, were a stunt double uh, for Tom Cruise. So is that is that how you met your wife, or or how how did that happen? That that would have been a uh, good line when you were making the the rounds back in the day, St- Tom Cruise's stunt double. That's <laughs> a- yeah, it would
3: have. But it was uh, I was already married then, so okay. it didn't uh, it didn't matter. Uh, no, when I met my wife, it actually I was just coming back. Uh, we had raced. Uh, down in college station at texas world speedway and i was working with cal yarborough we'd won the race we'd all bought cowboy hats i just rolled back into where i was stuck uh, town i was living in states for north carolina i went in to pay my uh, tv cable bill and there was a blonde girl working behind the desk and i tipped my hat to her drove back to my apartment Turned around and called the office and introduced myself and told her I'd be by to meet her after work.
2: Oh wow. Cute. That's awesome. That's, cute. That's awesome. Have you have you
1: got to meet have you ever got to meet Eric Church? Yes, I have met Eric Church. That's pretty cool what he did over the past weekend, canceling his one show to catch the UNC game in the final four. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, it's uh it's it's a passion. I mean, I'm I'm guilty of watching, I don't watch a lot of basketball but yeah. when you get Duke and Carolina playing in the fi- you know the finals like they were this past weekend uh, you can't help but find yourself you know attached to the to see what's going to happen next cuz it's going to be all over the Carolinas about what was going on playing basketball that that weekend so big deal it well, is a big deal
1: was there any other connection on the rodeo side of things uh, you mentioned tough a couple times and and uh colby was mentioned he might have heard something about about some agent work you might have done in the in the when western someone business someone had
2: said when i run india at uh, nfr that year you might have been doing some agent work but uh, that's never been confirmed so um yeah what any other connections to the rodeo world like that that uh... well i mean as i said uh i did a lot of
3: things um with boyd gaming from not only with racing but also whenever they were hosting uh People there for the uh, NFR, I'd sign autographs uh, and work their casinos at different times, you know, and doing uh, all kind of different, you know, radio shows and, and stuff like that. With their going into the into the NFR, for example, and I don't know if you remember or not, uh, back in the day at the Orleans, they had a um, for the people who were 16th and down, you know, outside the. Uh, the deal they had a rodeo Boy, over there. Out. Yeah, Jake I Cole actually
1: was on Virgil there one time, 2016 Right.
3: I was. I was one of the guys that that worked with uh, with Boyd and did a lot of interviews behind the shoot interviews uh, and oh. things like that for that
1: for
2: that broadcast that they did there.
1: Okay. Cool. I see. I That's wasn't sure. I wanted to you. ask about that side of things. I wasn't wasn't sure on that.
2: Biggest moment in the broadcast booth on NASCAR's side. Uh, you've been through a lot, no question, um, from from two thousand and one through uh, through into a pandemic. Even uh, what what are the standout moments for you in the booth, and why do they, why are they the ones that stand out? Uh well,
3: it, it's really. I really wish I could sit here and say, "Well, this is a standout moment." But I've had some funny situations. Um, you know, we're all about having a good time. And I remember one night we uh, we had had a rain delay and everybody was getting kind of bored at Charlotte. And the next thing you know, Matt Yoakum and Dick Bergeron came up in the Hollywood Hotel and attacked us. I'm talking about myself and Chris Myers with water guns.
2: <laughs> I got to find something to do.
3: Oh, yeah, have to find something to do and then, one day we were at Martinsville and Chris was complaining about the number of cushions that he was sitting on and how they weren't, weren't enough. He couldn't, it wasn't up where he needed to be. And I gave him a, a big, thick cushion that I had. And I took the two cushions that he had. And when I went to go sit down, it kicked the chair out right underneath me. And next thing you know, I'm sitting square on the floor. Well, it wasn't during the broadcast, but the one thing you'll learn about TV, if a camera... Yeah, is there more times than not it's rolling, and I mean I'm going through I'm going after the next break. Next thing I, they show is we had a moment, folks. We had a moment. We thought we'd share it with you, and I mean you should have seen the look on my face when I hit hit the floor. I mean it's like <laughs> oh
2: man. What about naps during rain delays? I spent a lot of my racing days uh, being involved in the sport. Was on the IndyCar side, open wheel stuff, but I made my way down to a handful mm-hmm. of NASCAR races. The 2014 500 of all, which would stand out for introduction of the Air Titan, a six and a half hour rain delay, and Dale Jr. winning his second one. Have you ever fallen asleep during rain delay? Because I, I have to admit that I had about an hour long nap up in the uh, up in the press box. I was shooting that race from the from the grandstand roof. And about an hour-long nap, is, was that ever something you, you did or is it just kind of have to be constant uh, ready for TV?
3: You have to be constant ready for TV. I, I didn't normally take naps you know, uh, during the day or any time during the broadcast because um, you just never know, as I said before, with today's cell phones and the, the, the guys that work for you in the industry, there is no such thing as being safe. You know, unless you are in a a cubicle all your own and nobody knows you're in there, then you know,
2: you're you're taking your life in Somebody, your own hands. Somebody's gonna get you. I have a, actually a, Somebody's gonna bust you. I have a picture of me sleeping under the uh, photo room desk at Daytona there from the 2012, 24 Hours of Daytona, and I'm an I'm an idiot, and I brought my cowboy boots down for some reason, and the picture mm-hmm. is me laying using my uh, backpack as a pillow. It's probably three four in the morning you know how that event goes and but i had to get out of my boots and they're oh. sitting next to me and and again same thing the people you're working with are for they're going to take the opportunity and i woke up and there was already a picture on facebook of me sleeping underneath the damn desk oh. so he's nice no, and, and then like i say you know friends i mean it's all you can say friends yeah, that's right <laughs> no good people they're watching your back all while uh enjoying a, a moment <laughs> of it too yeah before we wrap it
1: up i got i got two more things one for me one for wacy for sure um, uh, we, I was listening to your show last night on, on serious there. And the conversation was, I think you guys had Daryl Waltrip on the show and you were talking about, uh, uh, about the hall of fame. And then I wanted to ask you before we wrapped up here, what's next for you? You're talking about some movie, some more movie work and, uh, you're, you're still doing all, all the different things here, but, but what's next before, uh, you know, you're retired from on the, on the, essentially on the, on the racing side of things, but. But not on the broadcast side. But but what else is there left to accomplish for you in your career, Mr. Hammond? Uh,
3: to be honest with you, Ted, I I don't really have a lot more goals. I mean, I'm just I'm just one of those guys right now that I'm looking for the next adventure. Um, you know, if somebody calls. I mean, I had a I had a, uh, an email today of a, of a company that I was talking to four years ago about hosting a drifting uh competition that would be made for television and you know at the time you know COVID's going on this is going on so everything just kind of like got like crickets and now all of a sudden it's back up and I'm getting emails and you know if if that deal comes together then that might be something that I'll I'll be involved with you know as far as announcing or hosting or analyzing whatever uh, in the near future I'm also um you know, it's kind of like his PBR deal. I mean, I told some folks, you know, at, that night uh, at that event, you need some help, some work. Or some, they were talking about they really wanted to do something different. Uh, they didn't want to go with the same people that have been doing all the announcement. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's like racers, you know, same, racer, same race announcers call the same races all the time. Same rodeo announcers call the rodeos all the same, all the time. And they were talking about starting fresh. You know? I'll be about as fresh as you can get it. Just enough to be dangerous, but not too much, you know, over the top. But, uh, you know, I told him, I said, look, if you want some wild factor, give me a chance. We'll put some wild factor in it. We'll put some cowboy shit in it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So uh, things like that, I mean, honestly, I I enjoy – I have enjoyed my entire career. And the next thing that I'm going to do is whatever – direction the wind blows that particular day or the next opportunity that comes through the door. And, you know, we're just, we're going to enjoy it and keep moving on down the road. And to me, you know, sitting here and talking about all the places I've been and all the things I've done, you'd sit there and shake your head because I mean, I've flown with the Thunderbirds. I've jumped out of planes with the Golden Knights. You know, I, I just, I'm an adventurer. I enjoy an adventure and I enjoy a moment it's just like tonight and I'm sitting here talking with some guys I knew about you Ted never met you until we started talking on the phone you gentlemen we you know we hadn't had the pleasure but I feel like I'm talking to some guys that I've known and we drank a lot of beer along the way and I <laughs> like it I really do so it's it's just the moment you know you never know what you're going to get into till you try it and if you don't like it just don't do it again
2: don't do it again, I like that
1: well, I, I looked up the schedule while we were on our little break there, and uh September seventeenth Bristol night race, so uh I'm probably gonna be booking some flights, no Bristol, yeah, so I'm probably gonna be booking some flights, we'll probably end up in Nashville and uh drive over there. I would imagine, so we'll uh we'll figure that out and get down there.
2: I told them it'd be hard for me to come to the track and not uh you know call one of the connections and get a get a photo pass going again, but
3: <laughs> yeah, well, let me make one one suggestion to you. You can get a lot closer than Nashville. Okay. I mean, if you're going to do something, um, you'd be better off trying to get to Nashville and make it into Tri-Cities, which will be right there in Bristol.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. I'll have to look you know, at the, I know because I could it's, a,
3: it's a seven and a half hour drive from, from Nashville to the racetrack.
1: Oh, okay. Just kidding. That's Good call. Yeah. <laughs> I, was,
3: that's so I was just going to give you a little
1: geography lesson real quick. I forgot how, <laughs> wh- how, how why long we bring that, experts uh, in Tennessee is. I forgot that it's humongously long. Um, oh yeah. I just know that WestJet flies to Nashville and I was just trying to get the direct flight, but anyways but like i say uh, if you could if you get into
3: nashville they'll probably have a commuter flight and I, yeah. I urge i urge you to do that because unless you just like driving it's going to take you seven and a half hours to get there
2: we are in the rodeo business driving's not the worst yeah. thing we've ever done we
3: okay do like, like i say just
2: give you food for thought yeah, yes, sir, you know. yes sir yes
1: sir ah uh, you mentioned uh you mentioned uh oh i gotta i gotta ask this one question because you you uh mentioned the different memories along the way and and the moments like what what are a couple that stand out from, from the career? You mentioned the, like flying with the Thunderbirds and and jumping out of the plane with the golden Knights, but like, you know, what all stands out?
2: Yeah. Those overall career moments that just looking at everything you've got to do, which is on, what are are the ones that just boom in your head? There are, there are, you know, two
3: races that are always at top of my list. If I'm going to tell somebody about them one, 1985, we were uh, running the first Winston, which was an all-star event, And we had worked on this car at Junior Johnson's, building it and developing it to win that race. Well, we went out on Saturday afternoon, and they ran the race. We passed Harry Gant on the last lap and won the largest purse ever ever run for at that time in 1985. We won $100,000 with this race car. We went to NASCAR after the race and we were getting ready to run the Coca-Cola 600 next day. So we had two cars, had two cars. One we ran on Saturday and one we are going to run on Sunday. We qualified fourth with the other car. Daryl liked this car so much. He said, man, i like to be able to run this car. And we liked that car, but we were saving it for the all-star event. So we went to NASCAR and said, Hey, can we withdraw the other car? And it started at the back of the pack with this car. They said yes. So we go start working. We're changing engines. We're doing everything we can to get things swapped over, work till they run inside of the garage and come back in the next morning, start it again. About, I guess it was eight o'clock that morning. We've been there since five. Direct, Dick Beatty, director of competition, comes over and said, Hey, Daytona Beach decided you can't do that. What? We, we, we almost got these cars swapped out. So we got in a big fight, big argument. Junior went, up, went off the deep end. He was going to quit and go home. I'm loading everything else. I'm going home. You guys lied to us, blah, 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 blah. It was, it was real intense. And finally, you know, Daryl and I looked at each other saying, we got to run this race today. So we, we turned right around and put everything back together in the other car started fourth, and we won that race. Wow. We won Saturday, and we came back out, and we won Sunday. On Monday morning, we were sitting on the start-finish line with both cars, and if anybody remembers their Indy history, the spin to win Indy with Danny Sullivan. Danny Sullivan, Yeah. same year that he did his deal, he was on the start-finish line at Indy. We were on Start finish line at Charlotte, talking about our big wins that uh, that weekend on Good Morning America, and you know that to me was was a heck of a heck of a challenge, and we we met the challenge and we won the race. And the other one will always be the Daytona 500. Uh, we were beat that day, and we uh, come up with a little strategy that we could make it on one less pit stop. And at the end of the day, we were drafting everything, including seagulls down the back straightaway, trying to save fuel. And to be able to win that race in 1989, with all the strategy and all the planning and all the teamwork, because before I made the decision we were going to go for it, I went to Sandy Jones. I went to um, Pete Wright. I went to Mike Powell. I went to all these people, including Stevie Walter, and we checked our fuel we did all the things we could do to make sure we had enough fuel to could get it all out of the fuel cell and in the end we did it and at the end of the after the inspection one of the NASCAR officials was asked by one of the, the reporters that was there that night how much gas did they have left in the fuel cell and he told him he said, believe it or not I wouldn't have been a, I wouldn't have been scared to drink it I mean it was that 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 little
1: That's I mean we, we, wow.
3: we got it done. And, uh, you know, Daryl been trying to win that race for 17 years. He was driving number 17. We were in pit number 17. And Daryl Waltrip has 17 letters in his name. So we felt like that that was a good day and we need to
2: win that race. Things were aligned in that year. No question. No question. That's so cool. The coolest.
1: Ways, so you better wrap it up with your with your last one here. The last question. The, get question, the biggest question you're going to hear all night. <laughs> What is your definition of cowboy shit? We've talked a bit about some cowboy shit already, but you need know, an exact def- the exact Jeff Hammond definition. It's a hard
3: question. It is a hard question <laughs> because you know having having worked in, in racing shit and then having having done a lot of work around the farm and everything and, and understanding some of the mentality of the people in in, in the Western world. Their perception and maybe my perception could wind up being two totally different things, but I think it uh, a lot of it here here – here is a long shot from out in left field. I believe cowboy shit is the kind of stuff that no matter how hard you work and no matter how much preparation you do and how much you care, you can't control. And the end game is sometimes, well, it just all turns into shit. I like that
1: a lot. That's, That's a, excellent. I like this. I appreciate this, Jeff. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad we got connected and I, uh, I appreciate you taking the time to visit with us and, uh, and, uh, I'm seriously going to look at some flights here and see what we can do. Yeah. And personally from
2: my side, you've been a voice in my, uh, in my living room for, for a good 17 years following the sport. And I appreciate everything you've done in the sport and rolling into broadcasting NASCAR and, and racing wouldn't be where it is without, uh, without you. So appreciate you and appreciate taking the time to, to chat with us and a, and a humble race fan.
3: Well, thank you very much, guys. It's been a a pleasure. It's been fun. And, you know, that has a lot to do with it, Ted. I mean, I don't think I would ever, you know, agree to do this if I hadn't been kind of knowing who you were and and following your annex from time to time and some of the stories that you you put out there that, you know, I'd like to meet you, and we've never crossed paths in person yet. So uh, when you reached out that one time, I said, oh, man, I think I need to do this. So uh, as I say, it's been a pleasure guys. And, uh, you got my number, you know how to get hold of me, Ted. Yeah. If we can ever do it again, I'd be glad to. And when you, if you guys decide you're coming, you need to let me know. Cause I'll be there. I'll give you a
1: guided tour. Sounds oh, like yeah. a plan. Well, once again, Mr. Jeff Hammond, thanks for yeah. joining us. Thanks Jeff.
0: Well, I used to wake the morning. For the rooster crow Searching for soda bottles To get myself some dough Run them down to the corner Down to the country store Cash them in and give my money To a man named Curtis Lowe Oh, Curtis was a black man
1: We're going home. We're going home. Park it. We're going home. Thanks again to Jeff Hammond for an awesome show. That was a lot of fun, dude. So pumped about that one. It's cool. It's cool, dude. The night. Nice, it was great to have Covey on. We were talking about the way up here. Oh, Is cowboy like shit in the wild. Somebody. Hey, nice, nice sweater. Nice sweater. Love it. Did you enter the contest? <laughs> hey, did you enter the contest? Win some cowboy. Win shit. some cowboy shit. Sorry for the so distraction. for those there. that were uh, that are uh, uh, not watching, not watching. We're literally in the a trade lady show. By with the cowboy shit sweater on, and sat, thats what we call cowboy shit in the wild. And we're and we're doing a cool contest here at the yeah horse expo to do some cool smirch. So anybody we can rope in some to come cool and do smirch. some smirch. smirch. Um Anyway, but anyways, yeah, it was cool. To have, we're it going was cool. To Bristol. It was cool to have Kobe with us because he's so he's so in tune with the racing part of the things. And he asked some really cool questions. Like we're kind of a bit would have been a bit better than if it had just been you and I because yeah. we don't know any. I don't know yeah, about we racing don't know shit. But don't shit. I'm so to go to a NASCAR race. Yeah, man. And knowing a guy like Jeff is a guy to know to go to a NASCAR yeah, race right. with. So, exactly. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go full redneck, jorts, cut off button up shirt. I'm gonna drink Bush Light all day. I'm gonna grow my I hair know, out. I don't know if Jeff's gonna be willing to hang out with you if you show up like that. Man, I'm the demographic. I'm the people that Jeff wants at the race. I don't know. I'm the guy. I don't know.
2: I, I think Jeff right. would respect it, man. I hope
1: he doesn't uh, shun you if you show up like. Honestly, that Honestly, if he does, then I'll I'll respect it. <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I want to do okay, at the I'll race. Cha- okay, Jeff, I'll change. So you're gonna do it too. I'll uh, maybe I'll do that for like a certain. I have that's jor- a pair of Ah, yeah. So I, okay, that's one thing we didn't talk about from Florida. So you did you had you, you you like handcrafted your own pair of jorts. Yeah, and you almost cut my my. I didn't uh, get anywhere leg. near cutting your. I almost leg, cut man. my leg off. You're just a little bitch ass. <laughs> <laughs> so talk about talk about your first pair of jorts. Uh well, I haven't worn them since. It's um, been minus fifteen. Yeah, it has been minus fifteen. <laughs> It's snowing outside. Should I take them to Arizona? Yes. No. Yes. Yes. Why? So you can just wear them, chilling. Jordans are the best. Jordans get like a bad. Be get a bad rap, and it's unfair. I love Jordans. Yeah, if we fix them, they, they, they were literally hacked off with a in the middle of knife. the swamp. Yeah, with a pocket <laughs> knife. We literally hacked those off in the middle of the swamp. Yeah, with in this Florida like, with this knife. That knife right there. But Wait, you s- want to make some jorts out of those? No. Not until not until Clay says we smart Wranglers. Okay, fine. Um the uh but I yeah. like my shorts. you f- they're pretty freeing, eh? They're good. I instantly felt more free. Yeah, you did. My bottom of my legs were cut off. Your Boom. calves were substantially less sweaty. There was a little bit of uh and Airflow. it was very muggy in there. Oh, it was so muggy. In the swamp. In the swamp. But <laughs> I also had the uh like I don't know what the access of of is like leg freedom in the swamp and then like mosquitoes murder biting your legs dude and those so no cms were awful the no cms so when we got back from when i got back so that night we were sitting around drinking beer with with david and clay whatever yeah. the night before i left um, i was wearing joggers so like my ankles were showing i got home and there was like a million tiny little bug bites on my i, I was it drove me i was burning like it it hurt Ow. so bad i was like sitting Ow. at my desk like scratching and i was like on fire. I thought i was dying i thought i was going to have to amputate my feet <laughs> Yeah, And that was yeah. after oh, really? got home oh. After I got home, yeah, it didn't Jeez. get me until then Jeez. I also want to send a special shout out to okay, I remember if I mentioned this last time But to David and Clay for getting me Dunkin' Donuts Before we left to the airport That was huge I am addicted to Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee And those guys knew it And they treated me with that So I'm very thankful to those guys for that So you're, uh, you're telling me that uh, Dunkin' Donuts is almost as dangerous as like heroin It's like, it's cracked twice And then bam, you're hooked It's cracked cocaine Hooked forever It's right in it they put crack cocaine right into the, the iced coffee. You're a dick. Like, it'll, it'll get you for sure. Like, if you're not careful, because I never had it before, and I like iced coffee, and everybody's, oh, yeah, Dunkin' Donuts, Dunkin' Donuts. So we tried it. and I, like, Even you guys aren't a huge, like. It was very good. You guys, usually, like, when Ted Storm get a coffee, like, they're sharing it. But you yeah. guys had your own iced coffees and it was weird. dusted the whole thing off. It was weird, but it was pretty awesome. Which and yeah, great. America's size small is actually ginormous. It's insane. And the wildest thing to me ever about Dunkin' Donuts, so you get like a like a French vanilla iced coffee that always has like French vanilla flavoring in it, and they're like, ask you if you want cream and sugar for it. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I'm going to be, I'm going to like All overdose America. on sugar. Sh- I'm going to become diabetic just from this one drink. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. Instead, I'll, you just came a uh, Dunkin' Mollick instead. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, literally. Yeah. So, anyways, that's cool, man. Cool stuff. What else we got? I don't know. Actually, I have a would-you-rather that it's from the depths of my would-you-rathers. Okay, and then, so there's that, but then also there's, like... We don't have more, to do it. We can do it another time. More horse stuff here. Like, do, do, are you having PTSD this week at this horse show? On, horse if show? I, you know what I'm getting, honestly? Either? I'm getting okay. more content ideas. Okay. That's the one thing. Like, being in a horse girl environment, I can definitely pick and choose. But it's one of those things, too, people who may not know me that well understand. Like, I grew up around horse girls. My mom is a horse girl. My sister's a horse girl. Yep. I've dated plenty of horse girls over the years, so... Not I very successfully, though. Not right? very successfully. Clearly, yeah. here I'm at this point now. But I have endless, I have years of content, years of content. That's true. So, but coming to somewhere like this is pretty cool. Even like talking to the trainers and stuff, it's cool to hear like their process and how that all works. And it's really cool to see that part of part of it. And it's it's nice to see people gathering, doing cool stuff. That's you know what too. I mean? Like it's been great. Like there's some really cool vendors here, like all different kinds of stuff from like adventures to tact to. Clothing to feed. You ate some Hoffman's feed this afternoon or this yeah. morning, which is wild. It's actually better than the concession food. Better uh, than concession food, but yeah. no, I, I think that to me that's been the coolest thing about today is just seeing people gathering and people happy to be like around people and visiting and smiling and laughing and chatting. So that's been the coolest part of the day so far, for sure. Yeah. I'm about to lose my voice, so I'm very close. It's a lot of talking already. Today. Yeah, I've done a lot of talking today, and that's one thing I noticed actually. Like after getting out and doing stuff again, was that the talking is actually kind of a grind. It's straight. It's straight. Well, no offense, to any like, to, like I'm not trying to. No, but like, it's it's work to like go and do shit. Wait, wait, to, I want to be like to be like on all the time. Like yeah. that's and like I, I don't get me wrong. I love being able to do that, but you get to a point where like your battery runs out, right? Like oh, yeah. even at leaving Florida when we left, like having a camera in your face for two days straight, and you always have to be on and like trying like doing all these different things, like it, it drains you like mentally and like emotionally that way. So it's it's again, it's, yeah, nothing like it's very thankful to be able to do that kind of stuff, but it's definitely got to be more mindful of like taking that time to reach set and recharge and like, fill that battery back up again before you try and go it's and true. do it it's true it's, it's a hard knock life out there ways it's one of those things i, I and I, I hate to complain about it because again we're super lucky to be do help, be able to do what we do but it still is a lot of work i wasn't complaining i was just i was just saying that like, I, I just when like i get tired i just like trick myself to like thinking that i'm complaining but it's i don't know i just don't want to be a complainer i'm i'm thankful i'm running out of voice whatever I need wait, another he, beer. You know, has had a good time when he's running out of his voice. Yeah, literally, yeah. Three T's in on a Friday afternoon. Days off, baby. Beats the hell out of work, eh? I'm about to go check in at the Alberta Donkey and Mule Club. At the what? <laughs> Alberta Donkey and Mule Club. <laughs> you could be the... Uh, the Ambassador. Ambassador slash CEO of Alberta. I could the be the ass. I could be the ass of the Donkey and Mule Club. <laughs> Ambassador. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, would you rather, right? Yeah, my would you rather. Would you rather... Make the NFR one time and be the world champ, or make the NFR fifteen times and never win a world championship. Hmm, I think this is a question we should ask Rod. Hey, he made it twenty <laughs> times, never won the world. But I'm asking you. We can ask him another You're time when we talk me? to him. I think that I think being a guy like Rod, he probably is thankful for what he did for so long, but I think he probably wishes that he won that award. Yeah, he rode against the wolves like Dan Mortensen, Billy at power one like probably 15 in the same time he rode yeah Glenn O'Neill uh, you know Rod's brother-in-law won it and then he's he been close off. so many times he dude. Close so many times but I think like I'm that's a, I want to ask him that question now yeah but I think I'd rather win it all once and s- smell you later call it a day right I think yeah. I think that's the way to go because y- you're the best I think this. I think a, I, I think. Sid Steiner did that, didn't he? Well, Sid, yeah, in a, in yeah. a, in a uh, bulldog and did he win it? And, and, I, well, and same as Daryl, Daryl Mills, Darryl Mills is a good bin. example of that. Yeah. So, so those people ha- did it, and I think for a guy like Rod, the only reason he kept going was to try and win it. Yeah. And he was number one in the world in 2010 in Innisfail, Alberta. When the day that I filled my permit in the bull riding, he busts his leg or something. Broke his leg and wrecked it, and and like I don't know if he walks right now to this day. Yeah. So he was. In the prime and trying to win the world and was number one in the world mm-hmm. and broke his leg and never never competed did it. again at that high level. So and he made it 19 times, right? 20, 20 times, twenty times to NFR. Rodhe, yeah. So, yeah, I'm thinking that the one and done. That's the if I, Would you rather be I be one and done? Yeah, cool. What about you, I'd be the one and done for me too. Because that's like that's the goal. Any like any like for any any rodeo person to say, do you want to be a world champ? So if I like, think if you achieve that, I think the hard part it'd be like giving up. like So it depends when you win it, too, I guess. If you win it earlier or later in your career. But yeah, I think Only it's the one, done, one and, one and done. done. One and done, yeah. One right? and done, man. One and done? I'd do the one and done for sure. But then That's are easy. you but then are you a one-hit wonder? Probably. But, but again... Not but really, though, because you're still a word champ. Still world, world champ. You're still a world champ. You can't nobody can take that away from you. The, your name is in the record books. Name is in the record books, baby. That's it. That's the Would You Rather. It's true. It's got any, rodeo for, got hope any hope so. Would You Rathers f- about the horse expo? Would you rather be a... Professional barrel racer or professional show jumper? Probably show jumper. Yeah. it seems a little more classy, doesn't it? Like it? It's a lot more expensive, more money. That, that was I'm actually t- Vanessa. Oh no, Vanessa, hey, no. come hey, here. No. Can you come here quick? <laughs> but I'm not trying to no, say come the are Classy. I'm just trying to say. No, no, <laughs> no, no. You can't backpedal. You out of this see one. What no she way. Says. Yeah, that's see what, what I'm gonna says. do. Says. That's what I'm gonna do. Okay. Okay. So. So we're just. So Ted and I are just talking, and I posed like a horse expo would you rather and i asked him if he'd rather be a professional show jumper or a professional barrel racer and he said a professional show jumper because it's a little more classy would you care to comment i wasn't trying to it wasn't a dig i was just trying to say like they're pretty fancy the show jumper folks he's not wrong in some senses (laughs) (laughs) i really i i wasn't trying to be offensive i just that was the first thing that came to mind i was like those guys are like at spruce meadows it's clean it's like not like not like a rodeo arena it's all dusty. Relax. It's grass. It's grass. Those like it's really jump- nice.
2: Okay, well let's put it it's this fancy, way. Before right?
1: my clinic I was watching the show jumpers in the arena beside me and as soon as the riders got on their horses they had their trainer wipe off their boots with a uh, cloth. <laughs> so I don't know about you guys but I've never had anybody wipe off my boots. No, so see? I don't know if I've ever wiped off my boots. Like it it sounds really awful. Like it's kind of it sounds really awful what I'm trying to say but I'm not it's not an, in an offensive manner. It's just in reality. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank, bail Thank you, Vanessa. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate that. Oh, dear. One thing I will say. I just about bared myself. That was very close. One thing I will say is that um, if you compare the morning of a professional show jumper compared to a professional bell racer, <laughs> you'll, you'll be hard-pressed to find a professional show jumper bailing out of their trailer with a dart and red ball in it. <laughs> Oh dear. So I get what you mean, man. Oh dear. Oh, we could say a lot more shit here, but we better wrap it up.
2: We're gonna get some hate <laughs> mail, I'm
1: sure. With our wiener dogs. <laughs> We're take a dump. Yeah. Wiener dog in one sure. hand dart in the other, red or dart bull in your or red, dart in your mouth and a red bull in hand. That's that's oh, a great racer Oh dear. Okay, oh thanks God. for listening folks. That was like <laughs> the highlight at the end of the show. Uh, Holy shit. Better wrap it up. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Get this is a Cowboy Show. <laughs> See you next time.
0: I was toting my pack along the dusty Winnemucca road. When along came a semi with a high-end canvas covered load. If you're going to Winnemucca with me, you can ride. And so I climbed into the cab and then I settled down inside. He asked me if I'd seen a road with so much dust and sand. And I said, listen, I've traveled every road in this here land. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bare man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. I've been to Reno, Chicago, Fargo, Minnesota, Buffalo, Toronto, Winslow, Sarasota, Wichita, Tulsa, Ottawa, Oklahoma, Tampa, Panama, La Paloma, Bangor, Baltimore, Salvador, Amarillo, Tocopilla, Barranquilla, and Padilla. I'm a killer. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bare, man. I breathe the mountain air, man. Travel, i